3: podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: As the number 1 audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iheartresults.com for more.
3: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with car stuff from howstuffworks.com.
4: Hi and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow your roll, Scott. What? What's going on? I just I think you're going at an ill-advised pace for this podcast. Do it more like this. Hi, I'm Ben. Rolling. You
4: know what, ben, I don't think I've ever been accused of, of acting too quickly before. Maybe <laughs> driving too quickly, but not acting too quickly.
0: Ah, yes. Okay, that's a much better uh, segue here because what we are going to talk about today is speed. Or the lack thereof, right? Yeah. So uh, the first thing we should talk about, there's, there's an article that came out fairly recently before we recorded. I have both this article and the news about this article. I have an update that we'll close on, okay? Fair enough. What's the article? So the article is this idea that came around on the Daily Mail and on the Telegraph that the European Union had been considering a proposal to limit the majority of vehicles to 70 miles per hour. Hmm,
4: Okay. Haven't we heard this before?
0: Yeah. This is something that uh, crops up, not just in the EU, but around the world. Yeah. I
4: think it happens everywhere. And can I just, before we get really deep into this, Mm -hmm. this goes back to a question that people have asked for a long, long time is if if the speed limit's 55, if the speed limit's 65, 70, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. why do manufacturers make cars that will travel at 150 miles an hour? You know what?
0: That's a good question. And then another question that I would add to that that people also ask is, how fast can my car really go? Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Now, uh, the reason that we're bringing up both of those questions is because, uh, well, we intend to answer them in this podcast. Yeah, more or less. I don't know about the first one, but we'll get to the second one. Okay. So, yeah, the first one, let's tackle that. The first one, the idea of speed limits. Uh, should they exist, right? Some people would say no. Mm-hmm. Um, do they matter? And that's very interesting because we've seen speed limits change before. We know that, of course, uh, speed limits here in the United States change depending upon the state you're in, the density of the area you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, even whether if,
4: or not we're in a fuel crisis.
0: Whether or not we're in a fuel <laughs> crisis. Good call, Scott. Yeah, that's... that's a deep cut. And uh, even the time of day, if we're talking about like a school zone. True. Uh, but when those changes occur, uh, one of the big questions here is: Does lowering the speed limit or even raising the speed limit have a measurable effect on the safety of the roads?
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they uh, they seem to have a, a grasp on what this may or may not do for their uh for the safety record, I suppose, right? Because um, I think man they said something like thirty thousand people die on the roads in Europe every year. And right. This is according to the European Commission's uh Mobility and Transport Department. And that uh, this is all from the article. Mm-hmm. And I we'll talk about, you know, whether we agree with this or not later on. Now there's no disputing that fact. I mean that, you know, thirty thousand people die each year on the roads in Europe. Mm-hmm. And As far as like the U.K. itself, because this is where the um, the articles coming out as saying that, you know, in the U.K., this is where they're talking about this big change. Right. Right. Um, Specifically in the U.K. And apparently the U.K. has actually a better safety record than some of the other European countries. Like um, the numbers quoted here are seventeen hundred and fifty four people died on the road in accidents last year in the U.K. as compared to. 3,657 in germany and let's so, not
0: even count italy
4: uh, yeah yeah Italy's in there as well uh, so it seems like you know they, they do have a better record why are they why are they so gung-ho about about suddenly reducing the the uh the speed limit or, or actually you know what i don't know if it's reducing the speed limits it's reducing how fast your car will go i mean you could press the accelerator all day long mm-hmm. they're saying we don't want that car
0: to exceed 70 miles per hour Right. And the next question would be how would they do this? Well, in this idea and we do need to keep in mind that this is an opinion, this is a what if thing. This law has not even
4: been written. Yeah. And just so that we're clear on this, that's a lot of people that have died on the roads. I I totally understand Absolutely. that. And I, I tragic every one. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is when they're when they're looking at a number that's half of what Germany has, you know, less than half, I don't understand why they're, you know, prompted to jump into action on this right away.
0: Right, the the question is not whether or not this is whether or not it's worth preventing fatalities. The question is is this a viable way to do so? Yeah. I think that's that's an important differentiation. So so Scott, how would how would this work? How would they somehow keep people from exceeding would they have a limiter in every car
4: well that's kind of the idea isn't it i mean according to the article they're talking about uh, a couple of different ways to do this now this is really strange the limiters of course this will work on fuel injected engines um, you know that have computer controlled so anything with an ecu would be able to be controlled like this um they're talking about satellite systems they're talking about camera systems that read road signs mm-hmm. and then uh, and then slow the vehicle to you know the proper speed so that you know the, the maximum is the maximum on any ro- any given road so that there's no uh, fudging with the number yeah exactly so if you're on a road that you know the speed limit is 35 you're only going to be able to go with 35 at the max if your foot is mashed to the ground mm-hmm. so th- i don't know th- this is a uh, it's a far reaching Idea, you know, this is something that's really, uh, it's ticking a lot of people off because, you know, it's a violation of freedom, of course. And, uh, I think, who was it? The, uh, the transport secretary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter McLaughlin, I think is his name. Yeah. And he says that his quote is that this has Big Brother written all over it. He's saying that, you know, this is what gets people's, you know, I don't know, their, their, uh, Makes their hackles rise. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I was trying to think of the, uh, like, you know, how to, how to say that. It gets them, gets some very excited, very tense yeah. about this to say, um, you're really stepping on my freedoms here.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is, this is interesting. Let's go into our ideas here. Let's dig into some meat here. Um, and let's go across the pond to our home country, the United States. Uh, Scott, our question about whether or not new legal changes to speed limits do affect drivers. Well, in 1996, the National Motorist Association found that drivers will adjust their velocity, but just a little bit. So uh, they had a study of 22 states where speed limits were either raised or lowered by 5, 10, 15, or 20 miles per hour. And they found that average velocities did change, but get this, by less than 2 miles an hour.
4: Really? So... Let's say that uh, the, the speed limit's posted at 65. Okay. People are going to feel comfortable going 75 or even 80. Right. Uh, if it's 70, they may feel comfortable going 80 or 85, maybe even, I don't know, maybe close to 90. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like that around here a lot of times. Right. Well, uh, so people yeah. push it just a little bit, right? They always mm-hmm. seem to edge it up just a little bit, but maybe not, you know, let's say if it's 35 mile an hour zone, they're not going to feel comfortable going uh 60. Because that's a, that's a clear, clear violation. You're going to be able to spot that car out of a pack of others, you know, and say that that's right. the one that's speeding. But if you're going just a little bit over, I think people are a little more comfortable with the idea that, well, I'm just edging it just a little bit. Um, you know, school's on. You shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of people do that kind of thing.
0: Well, there's that old canard, isn't there, that at least in the U.S., people like to say, I've heard this a million times. People say, well, you know, as long as, uh, you're not going 11 over the speed limit, you're okay.
4: Yeah, I've heard that too. And I don't, I don't buy that one bit.
0: Yeah, I don't buy it either. But I will say, uh, in our earlier podcast, Driving Rules That No One Follows, we did talk about how much of a sore thumb somebody looks like when they're on the interstate and they're going the absolute speed limit. Mm-hmm. They're just at 55. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, even people in the slow lane get irritated, honk a horn, swerve around. Uh, the truth is just that the majority of drivers, do, um, do push the speed limit. And, uh, to our earlier question, I want to get the cat out of the bag, the badger out of the can right now, the camel out of the sack. Are these enough? For these, that's that's plenty, man. Okay. Because I have like five more. Well, that, that's plenty. Save okay, them. Okay, okay, I'll save them. Uh, so the, these studies did find that, um, there's, there's an interesting answer to the question Do higher speed limits cause more car accidents? Not necessarily. But the accidents that do occur are inherently more severe. Inevitably so. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean you've got a
4: greater velocity, you've got a lot of momentum carried with this thing. I've seen a lot of um, you know driving uh testing going on, you know, with uh with traction control systems, things like that, where they they prove that, you know, if you have traction control on versus off, here's the way the car reacts on you know, on ice, on wet roads, on dry Ooh. roads, on gravel, on whatever the, the surface may be. Um Obviously, there's more momentum, more speed, more, more danger of you sliding out, more danger of you overcorrecting, uh, less chance of you, you know, being able to, to steer out of the situation, greater damage once you do hit something. Mm-hmm. Um, just, there's a lot of, every, everything kind of snowballs the faster you go. And, uh, and of course, you know, slower speeds are going to save lives in some cases. Not in all cases. I mean, a lot of these deaths, I mean, they don't really say exactly what happened here, but somebody may have rolled off the road at, at 25 miles an hour and hit a tree. and uh, And that could have caused a death. I mean, you, you have to look at each one of these and, and figure out how many of these were caused by excessive speed.
0: And there are some things that might be a little bit, I guess, contrafactual here or, or contradictory to what, what the conventional wisdom is. The conventional wisdom would say, well, if people are at lower speeds then they will not only be less likely to have an accident, they will be less likely to die. Um, Is this always the case? Well, after uh, New York raised the cap on their highway traffic to 65 miles per hour back in 1995, uh, the state's total crash rate dropped by 4%. Hmm. Okay, so there's numbers that, that back this up. Well, they back it up with one case, and it goes back to what you're saying, case by case. This is wildly counterintuitive yeah, see, to me.
4: See, this is the thing. You can, you can manipulate numbers to work any way that you want. And I know a lot of people are saying, like, look at the, look at this set of numbers, it doesn't tell the same story. Look at that set of mm-hmm. numbers, it tells a different story. So, you know, statistics can be manipulated in many different ways to prove many different things.
0: That's a great point. It reminds me of Samuel Clemens, aka Mark Twain, aka one of my favorite writers, and his quote about statistics, which because we are a family show i cannot recite here um you know what we should do now that we've established this we should get right into what speed limiters are and how they work but before we do i think it's time for a word from our sponsor sounds good
3: get emotional with me radhi devlukia in my new podcast a really good cry we're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. My I sister. didn't know we were going to go there on, I'm gonna go there on People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. right? And basically have conversations
4: And we're back. So, you know, I know you wanted to uh, kind of jump into speed limiters and, you know, what's going on there. But there's a couple of things I just want to quickly get out about the EU proposal, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, great. Okay, first, um, just so everybody knows, mm-hmm. it's going to be called the Intelligent Speed Ad- Adaptation. And it's ISA. That's the uh, the acronym for this thing. So if you see that pop up anywhere, that's what they're talking about, this whole speed limiting idea. Now, here's a couple of reasons that I, I personally believe that something like this would never happen. All right. And, uh, and, I mean, there's really a lot of different reasons. These are just a few that off the top of my head I scribbled down as I was coming in here, okay? Uh, first of all, people don't like to be told that they can't do something. True. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you drive as fast as you, you a lot of people just like to drive as fast as they choose to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a freedom that people enjoy. Um, people also find a way to work around anything, you know, bypassing any kind of system that's put in, like a limiting system. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed that somebody's going to figure out a way to cheat this thing almost immediately. Sure. Uh, so, you know, you can have all of the, uh, the, the mechanisms in place to, to stop this. Someone's going to find a way to bypass it. Um, so the car will be officially legal, but, you know, they're working around it. Uh, the next one is that, well, we talked about this a little bit, but the speed limit isn't the same in all places. So, I mean, if, if they do do this thing where they limit cars just to 70, let's say that they're not doing the, the camera system, the intelligence system where it's, it's, if it's 25 zone, the car will only go 25 and, and you know, 55, so on. Mm-hmm. If they limit the car to 70, just 70, what's going to stop people from going 70 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone or in a 55-mile-an-hour zone? There's still going to be speeders here and there. It's oh, unless
0: they have some sort of system that throttles it down when you hit that zone, which is pretty dangerous.
4: Well, that's the camera system, right, that reads road signs.
0: I guess as long as it's a – I mean, that's a good point because as – First off, if it's just a one size fits all solution, you're absolutely right. That is a huge oversight there. But if it is a, um, if it's a system wherein the, the car's speed is automatically adjusted. Mm -hmm. So you're going, say you're going on a 45 mile per hour place, you hit a school zone, it's 35 miles per hour and this camera somehow knows it or whatever. And then how, how does it reduce your speed? Safely to that point.
4: Oh, if you, you don't know what's going on behind you, but supposedly all vehicles are going to be fitted with this, so the cars behind you will also slow down at the same time. Theoretically. Uh, theoretically, it seems like there's going to be some kind of jam up in the, you know, behind you. These all are right. good reasons. yeah I got a couple more, and that's it really. Uh, the manufacturers, I think, they would completely resist this, especially for, um, especially for performance models. Uh, I think car sales of performance models would drop considerably. I mean, what good is it to have a, a, a brand new Corvette if it'll only go 70? maximum um i know there's just uh, there's something mental about that a a mental hurdle Mm -hmm. that i don't think people would be able to overcome um also would they retrofit older cars with this newer technology and and if they do do that how would you know who would who would pay for that i mean i guess you would have to be responsible for your own vehicle to make sure that it's compliant to be on the road sure but man that seems like an awful lot to ask of somebody that has you know two or three, four, maybe four older cars that are sitting in the driveway to have to retrofit this new mm-hmm. technology in order just to be able to drive in the road. That could be very, very expensive. So, I mean, who's going to willingly take their old car in to do this? And what about carbureted models, you know, cars that don't have electronic fuel injection? How are they going to be able to, to, to limit this? Is that a, a completely new device that we've never heard of? Uh, something, Or will they switch
0: all of them over to be fuel-injected cars? A, stri- a lot of problems with this. Can I dovetail onto that point? Yeah, sure. All right. So here's another thing that I think of when I hear this. What about, um, what about? very old cars, like classic cars mm-hmm. that just simply don't have an electronic system yeah. at all, Man, you know, sure, the as I said, the carburetor yeah. models. Mm-hmm. What, what, yes, and um, they want
4: to maintain their originality. You know, they that's don't want, what I'm getting at. Yeah, they, they don't want to, you know, update that. I mean, of course you can update to fuel-injected systems on on cars like that if you want to. It's, it's very expensive.
0: Sure, but and, also that's, I mean, that's totally defeating the purpose of having a well-maintained Classic car
4: Exactly. That's right. I mean you're uh you're upgrading to something that you necessarily don't want to upgrade to.
0: So you can either ruin it, you can either butcher your uh vintage phantom or just never drive it.
4: <laughs> your vintage phantom,
0: wow, nice. I don't know. I mean that's, go big,
4: right? Yeah, might might as well. Phantom Corsair or something. I mean if people are gonna drive, you know, fast, that's fine, but you know, they should be driving the speed limit anyways, that's the law. So there's there's a posted limit on every road except for, you know portions of the Autobahn and, you know, some places out west and very few places where there's unlimited speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if people were just to adhere to the law, things would work themselves out. But it, that's not going to happen because they, they do make cars that exceed the speed limit. They do, you know, people have the freedom to push that gas pedal down just a little bit further if they want to and, sure. and, and go for the adrenaline rush or whatever they're doing. But, um, you know, it's endangering other people on the road, of course.
0: Well, another part of this is that, yes, that's all well and good but we, n- nobody ever made billions of dollars or saved billions of lives by um, underestimating humans' ability you know, to uh, cheat on laws. <laughs> sure, like, and it's always going to happen. That's a convoluted way for me to phrase it, but I think I, I got the gist there. Um, with all these points, some people are probably wondering um, what a speed limiter does, how does it work, uh, why won't it work on carbureted cars? Mm-hmm. So, Scott, just at the basic, most basic, one or two sentence level, what the heck is a speed limiter? All right, it's just a,
4: it's a device. It's an electronic device, really. Not even a device. It's just a program, really, that's put into your car's computer. Your ECU or you know something similar to that, another control module, uh, that that really limits the engine's power at a certain point. I mean, uh, sensors detect speed. The the sensors then communicate with the engine's computer. Uh, there's like a predetermined top speed, and once that speed is reached, um, you know, th- then the computer restricts airflow, fuel flow. You know, spark can even be restricted at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top speed is just that. I mean, it, it's it's limited to whatever the manufacturer sets as top speed.
0: And often this is a result of policy that, uh, the, the government or the local, you know, the authority in that country will decide. So mm-hmm. for instance, or in, institute rather, since we're talking policy. So for example, uh, some people may not know that depending on the age of the car that you own and depending on where you live, you may well already have a speed limiter in your car you
4: know there's a very good chance you do i mean how many times have you heard even us talk about Mm -hmm. you know sports cars where it's like uh uh, the the new corvette it's got i'm not going to say the newest one but i I don't know what the top speed is in that one but uh let's say the new ford mustang okay and uh you know at the very end they're like uh you know at the end of the review or whatever it's usually in print when you see this but it's Mm -hmm. electronically limited to 155 miles per hour at this many revolutions per minute. And, uh, you, you'll see that in just about every car, and there's a lot of good reasons that manufacturers put that in there. Um, first, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they're, they're, laws or restrictions on stuff like this right the uh the, the maybe the the four reasons i'd say that manufacturers like to do this um is maybe one is safety uh because there's vehicle stability to think about you know you can't have a, a smart car that will go 170 uh, because you know do they try to make a turn even a gentle turn at that speed there's a good chance it's going to roll over right they're not built
0: to perform at that speed well,
4: Yeah, I mean the the manufacturer knows the limits. I mean, you you know, let's say you have a Honda Civic and and you want it to go 190, but it's limited to 122 or whatever the the speed limit is. Is
0: that a little close Uh, to home?
4: uh, (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) yeah, maybe. But you know, you just have to. It comes down to you know what what the manufacturers know that the vehicle is capable of controlling on the road. You know, if it's uh, if it's not capable of driving and turning at a certain speed, if it doesn't have the grip to do something like that, they're not going to allow it to go. You know, close to 200 miles an hour. Not that it could necessarily. That we've, we've had podcasts about that, what it really right. takes to get to those maximum speeds. And it's, yeah. it's a lot more than just saying, I want to go that fast. Yeah, it's
0: a lot more than just pushing the a pedal. A lot more mm-hmm. than
4: that. So, you know, there's a top end on all these cars, but most of them are electronically limited. Number two is probably to, uh, protect the engine, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the maximum speeds are set for maximum engine life, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they don't want to wear out two parts too quickly, because you, if you push that thing all the time, it's going to burn up. There's going to be some problem internally. There may be some failures inside. You know, you just can't keep up with that type of speed, that kind of, uh, that kind of wear and tear.
0: Right. Uh, one, one good, uh, way to relate this, or through anecdote or example, is to, Note the engine replacements for race cars. Oh,
4: yes. That's a good point, Ben.
0: So it would be pretty much treating your car like a race car yeah. all the time.
4: Most of those run without limits. And we've talked about, um, oh, let's say the Group B cars. Sure. Remember, you remember Great. the yeah. uh, the Ford RS200, I think it was, with the 10-hour <laughs> engine. engine life? Um, yeah,
0: that uh, you did say
4: that correctly. That is a 10-hour engine yeah. life. And and uh, let's say the top-fuel dragsters. I mean, these are extreme versions. Sure. Now. The top-fuel dragsters, they they make like one pass, and then they rebuild the engine in the pit. So mm. that's what, I, I mean, a quarter mile plus a few minutes of idling and, and a burnout, and, you know, that's
0: about it. And it's done. So the same effect to a lesser d- degree would apply to a streetcar. I almost said civilian car.
4: <laughs> oh, close, because you're thinking of our Hummer. Right, episode, yeah. It right? yeah. would
0: apply to a streetcar yeah, that uh, had... That had its engine constantly under this enormous stress. Yeah,
4: good point. I mean, it really, it's it's just a matter of preserving your engine for as long as possible, and uh, you know, within reason. I mean, yeah. they know that you're going to push it a little bit, but uh, you know, again, just maximum maximum speeds are set for maximum engine life. That's a good, that's a good way to think of it.
0: Yeah, and a couple other uh, reasons
4: too, right? Yeah, I got two more. The uh, that's big one. Tires. Not many people think about this, but the tires yeah. that your vehicle are equipped with honestly, I mean, this is why they have the uh, the tire ratings, and there's, you know, like, l- look at the side of your tire. You're going to find an STY, you know, whatever the, the rating is on your tire. S tires are capable of, uh, well, they should be kept under 112 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, these are, these are tires that, like, you know, minivans have, family sedans, you know, the, the four-door cars that you would see all over the place. Most of those... If you travel at 112 miles per hour or above that for a certain amount of time, they're just going to shred. And the T tires, I think it's just a little bit higher at 118 miles per hour. Y tires, that goes up to like 186 miles per hour. That's mm-hmm. what you'll find on performance cars. I think there are other ratings as well. Yeah. But but that gives you an idea that you know you can't sustain speeds higher higher than these that I just mentioned um, for any kind of length of time. Without them, just absolutely falling apart. Now, do you remember? Uh, th- this goes way back, but do you remember the um, the Bugatti Veyron that was doing the uh, the top speed test on on Top Gear? Oh yeah. Now that long, long straight that he was on, and he was kind of spouting out all these facts about the mm-hmm. cars, and you know, the car as he was trying to attain that, I think it was two hundred fifty seven miles per hour. Yep. Um, we, when he got up to like around two hundred and ten or something like that, he was saying. I can only go this speed at this, this amount of time because the tires will shred. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a time limit. Like you couldn't try to push it for much longer than what he did because the tires were going to go away on this thing. And those are, those tires are expensive. I don't yeah. remember what they were, but they were really, really expensive. And, uh, and as is the case with all these tires, you know, as you step up in, in the, uh, in the ratings, they get more and more expensive for the performance. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to drive your minivan really, really fast. That's fine. But you can only do it for so long before your tires go away.
0: And now we're getting to the final reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Finally.
4: And I'm not going to say much about this, but fuel savings, pollution you know concerns, things like that. I and mean, the faster you go, the more fuel that's consumed, uh, there's more pollution created. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that are really concerned about that. I mean, I don't think anybody with a performance car is necessarily concerned about that. Not anybody. I mean, there's a few here and there.
0: Well, but, regulatory
4: bodies are concerned about yeah, it. Of course. And there's a lot of people that are concerned about that. Sure, and, yeah. And so, you know, there's this kind of... there's this this headbutting that goes on between them like you know (laughs) why make a car that goes this fast it's just bad for the environment the people that you know like the fast cars say well i don't care about
0: that i'm just one person in one car what's it going to harm that's a great point uh that let's go back to the varon uh the varon super sport right Mm -hmm. technically mechanically speaking This bad boy is able to hit about 268 MPH or a little over 431 kilometers. That's the Supersport model. That's the Supersport. Yeah, we. I said... That's okay. I thought I said Supersport. Yeah, I
4: think you did. I just want to point that out because that's not the one we saw tested.
0: That is true. That is true. So let's say you're the kind of person who can and will buy a Bugatti Veyron, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to go eight and a half yards. I'm going to get the Supersport, go the whole nine, because reaching that 268 number is huge to me. And then you find out that your car has been electronically limited to 257 miles per hour. Now, that's, you know, at that height, that that doesn't seem like too much of a difference, you know. It's just, a, it's like just around 10 miles an hour. Yeah, and where the heck are you going to do that anyways? But if you pay that much for anything, then I think... And maybe it's just because I'm cartoonishly cheap. I think that you should be able to have the full performance potential at your fingertips. So
4: just driving around town, you'd like to know that if you wanted to. Well, yeah. You could find that, uh, that long stretch of road or possibly go to the salt flats. And, yeah, yeah. And, and bump it all the way up to 268.
0: Look, man, if stuff gets real, I want to be able to scoot. <laughs>
4: I don't think that'd be a problem in that kind of car.
0: Well, you know, I, again, it depends on the tires. You would
4: be easily spotted, however, in a crowd.
0: That That is true. But the, the point we're making here is that these things are, these speed limit limiters do exist for a reason, and uh, they are surprisingly common mm-hmm. in cars, not just in the United States, not just with U.S. manufacturers. Um, but now, maybe we should talk about, how to break those speed limiters? Yeah, you
4: know what we've uh, there's there's a way to turn speed limiters off, and we'll tell you about a couple of those in just a moment. But you know what, we need to break for an ad.
3: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry, as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first take, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the General. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Right, right,
0: right. And we're back. Uh, Scott, we have done our due diligence. We have, A, talked about why speed limiters are a good thing. Yes. And now we're, B, going to go ahead and tell people that from here on out, Whatever we say is for information purposes only. That's right. You're on your own from this point forward, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So we were talking
4: about maybe uh, before the break. We were mentioning that maybe you could turn a speed limiter off, right? What? Yeah, that's true. And you know what? You will be able to find information for your specific vehicle online. There's a good chance that mm-hmm. this could happen. It's not every case. You know, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, search every single vehicle and find a way to do this. Nor are you going to be able to do it legally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's possible. Should you do it? Uh, we'll find out. Um, there's a couple of examples that are given in our article. We have an article on uh, howstuffworks.com that's called, uh, was it How Speed
0: Limiters Work, I think, right? Yes, by our own Patrick George. Now, uh, Scott, is this one of the articles you edited? Uh, yeah, it is. Long time ago. Long time ago. This one's been around for a while,
4: so I know there's uh, more modern examples out there. So, these, uh, these may be Step back, but you know what? They're, they're still there, and uh, it gives you a good idea of what's what's available. Okay. So this is, this article has three examples here, and I'm not going to tell you you know specifically how to do this, but I'm going to tell you that <laughs> let's say one example. Um, We way to disable the car speed limiter, one is, well, first is a car that just does it automatically, which is remarkable to me. Oh,
0: yeah, the Nissan GTR, right?
4: This is amazing to me. I I really can't believe this. I mean, it it automatically raises its own top speed when the GPS system detects that you brought it to a racetrack. So if you're at a known location for a racetrack, let's say you're at uh, Laguna Seca or wherever you happen to be, you know, mid-Ohio, they're going to know that you're participating in some kind of track day. And, uh, and up the top speed on this thing, which is already really high. I don't know what it's limited to at this point, but so the Nissan GT-R automatically raises its own top speed. You don't have to do any kind of, uh, you know, speed limiter disabling or tampering in this case.
0: Yep. It, it will help you out. It's on your side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's other things, right? Like the Ford Mustang has a programmable top speed and that's really more for parents with, uh, Teenage drivers. Sure.
4: Someone who's just learning how to drive, but taking the, uh, taking the Mustang out for the weekend night, you know, maybe on a Friday night or something. Lucky kid. Yeah. The parents say, I don't think we're going to have, uh, have you going top speed down, you know, Georgia 400 or whatever the road happens to be. Sure. Uh, we would like you to, uh, you know, maybe at maximum be able to get up to 70, 75, whatever it is, you know, to be safe in traffic. Sure. Of course. But the programmable top speed thing isn't really anything new either because a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if I want to say like fleet vehicles or if I want to say, um, manufacturing vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, heavy vehicles, a lot of those will, will be programmable by the, by the owner to say, I don't want my fleet of trucks to be able to go over 55 miles per hour because we have, you know, heavy box vans that have a lot of, you know, materials in them. Yeah. That and I want to keep, uh, you know, our, our reputation in, in, uh, insight here and, and say that, you know, we don't want our guys speeding all over town and, you know, kind of acting like jackasses. And there are some
0: liability issues. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Liability issues as well. So, you know, there's there's speed limiters on heavy vehicles like that. And I've driven uh, moving vans before that have been limited to, you know, I think it was 60 miles per hour. Um, so even it's kind of strange, but, you know, you're driving through the mountains. I was driving here to move yeah. here and driving from Michigan to here and driving through the mountains. You know, you can't get the thing to go faster than the 60 miles per hour. It's, it's kind of a, a pain, but you know what? It, it kept me from ever going a little bit too fast on, on a long straight stretch, you know, when I didn't really want to go over 60. Um, mm-hmm. so even going downhill, you know, I wasn't able to go over 60 miles per hour. Um, it, I think in a way it helps out. You know, it was, again, frustrating at times, but it does,
0: mm-hmm. it does work. So then let's also talk about some of the, older examples, right? Mm-hmm. Like the uh, Nissan 240SX. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Now, um, if
4: you disconnect, there's two sensors, I guess, uh, that go to the transmission uh, that will... I guess it fools the engine's computer into thinking that the engine RPMs, uh, it just has no idea what they are at that point. So the um, fourth and fifth gears are uh, the the limiter, the speed limiter, just never, ever accepts that it's going that fast. So it's mm-hmm. like a, a complete bypass on the thing. Um, so older cars like this, this 240SX, um, something like that is what you're going to have to do in order to, uh, in order to bypass or disable your, your speed sensors. Now, I know that in Europe, there's also cases where you know BMW and Mercedes, I think it is, will unhook your uh, your, your speed limiter, and because if you're, you have the potential to be driving on the autobahn, um, and also you know, I think I don't know, I just seem to think that for whatever reason, they seem to be more in tune with their with their drivers. They say that you the know, performance culture, exactly. I think that they say you know, like these people really know what they want and they know how to handle it, and they'll they'll be able to they'll be okay. I'm going to unhook. Uh, you know, if the customer requests, I'd like to unhook the speed limiter on this BMW that I that I just bought, my m powered BMW, uh, could you do that? And they say, yeah, we'll do it for, you know, whatever fee it is. I think it's a fee. I would think mm-hmm. it'd have to be. Um, they'll do that, you know, willingly. The the factory will. I'm sure there's got to be some kind of uh, disclaimer, some kind of clause that they have to sign that says, you know, we don't hold you responsible for anything. Some uh, way to make it legal Yeah, I would think <laughs> so. And I would bet that, you know, that covers a lot of uh, powertrain parts as well because, um, yeah. you know, you could damage – um, engine transmission, you know Ooh. whatever it happens to be, axles, whatever. Um, well, so yeah, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of reasons that you could do it. a lot of ways that you can do it. Should you do it? Probably not.
0: yeah, I mean, there's the the example of the race car switch off with the GPS. Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent example. you know, in uh, in other countries, of course, Japan has, uh, a limit on the vast majority mm-hmm. of, I, I think, domestic cars.
4: Yeah, and you know what? I think that the, those limits don't. Those limits uh, kind of match with the uh, the tire ratings that I mentioned before. Yes, I think the limit is 112 and 118 mm-hmm. respectively, and that's what S and T rated tires are.
0: But of course, there uh you can use a model or a program that takes that off when you go to the racetrack. <laughs> fair enough, okay. which I, I I do think is fair enough. I do have. Um, I feel, how do you feel about this podcast well, so Well, let me tell you, I, okay, there's so many angles on this one. I, mm-hmm. and I
4: know that, you know, it's an overreaching thing that, you know, that if the EU is proposing this thing where they're going to limit every vehicle, that's, to me, that's definitely not good. I don't, I'm not for additional legislation on anything like that. I don't, I don't enjoy something, you know, someone putting limits on me mm-hmm. in this. This is a free, driving is a freedom that I think if you don't have the responsibility, if you're not, if you're not able to, to, um, Show that self control, that level of self control mm. that you need to be able to maintain the speed limiter or close to it. Um, maybe you shouldn't be driving. I mean, that's uh, that's it. Really comes down to responsibility and just being a grown up when you're on the road. Really, I see. And all these other things. I mean, there's there's so many different ways around. You know, the stuff that's going to happen anyway. So let's say they do put the limiters in place, and and people are going to cheat the system. What good does that really get you then? Because the people that are the the speeders, those are going to be the ones that want to. Uh, you know, cut the limiters. They're going to want to bypass the, uh, the speed limiters. So it seems like it would just be counter, counteractive in that, you know, you would be making people that, that adhere to the law that probably really don't really speed in many situations, you know, maybe a little bit here and there, making them pay for these upgrades to their cars, you know, these, uh, these mm-hmm. systems, these satellite systems or camera systems or whatever, what have you. Um, Man, Ben, I'm, I'm almost like I'm almost lost with this. There's so many angles on this thing. We talked about we've talked about a few of them here. There's I, so many more. This seems like it could be a, day, a debate rather that could go on all day.
0: Yeah. Now, I we I think we've done an okay job of introducing those different perspectives. Uh, we should also point out, you know, what what it called to mind when you mentioned that Scott is it, it gave me uh it it gave me some recollections of the debate regarding gun control. Mm-hmm. The idea that if someone completely outlaws yeah, uh, owning any type of gun, then the people who own them are going to be criminals. If we completely outlaw going over a certain mile per hour, the only people who are speeding. You know, I I see the point about personal responsibility. Yeah,
4: and I know that when we get out of here, when we turn, you know, pl- turn off the lights – I'm going to have ten other thoughts about this thing, you know, that <laughs> that, uh, that I'm going to want to want to share. But um, I just I think that we've we've got most of it covered. I know that there's people out there that have their own certain perspective that you know they're they're probably yelling, screaming at their iPod or whatever they're listening to us on, and saying, why aren't you talking about this?
0: Well, you know, this would work pretty well in very very dense cities, um, where you know, in in a city like London, where you wouldn't usually have a chance. To even reach 70 anyway. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. You,
4: you'd be, uh, maybe lucky to reach what? 30.
0: Yeah. In, in uh, London. Who knows that? So I can see where it would have some, I, I can see where I have some advantages right now. The idea of that kind of sweeping legislation. The problem is that one size fits all top down legislation often doesn't work the way that it is intended to. Um, the, the theory and the practice, there's a world between those two. And uh, I have some good news for you, man. What's the good news? The good news, I'm glad you asked, is that there was an update on this report of the EU proposal, which I, I discovered shortly before we came in. And uh, <clears throat> I'll just read from part of this. Reports in the – I'm not going to do a British accent. Oh, very good. Reports in the press over the last day or two have suggested that the European Union intends to bring forward formal proposals this autumn to introduce automatic speed controls known as Intelligent Speed Adaptation, or ISA, into cars. This is quite simply not true, and the Commission has made this very clear to the journalist's concerned prior to publication. So the Telegraph and the Daily Mail are in a little bit of hot water. Oh, Ben, what have we been talking about for the last half hour? Well, here's the thing. Here's what... This was their thesis, but here's the objection, which is a little sticky to me, okay? Okay, sure. They say, the mail on Sunday, for example, uses a quotation from a commission spokesperson but chooses to leave out the first and most important sentence given to the paper's reporter, which was this. The commission has not tabled and does not have in the pipeline even a non-binding recommendation, let alone anything more. So what's interesting about the way that is phrased is that they said, they basically said, "Wait, we're not definitely doing anything, but proposing something is still not definitely wow. doing the anything." The
4: idea is out there, right? I mean, the idea is somewhere out there, but there's no action on it right now, right? So yeah, not... they've
0: they've floated the idea. Oh, okay. and That's a little less scary. People reacted so vehemently and so violently that I would like to think um, people will. I, I would like to think that legislators would reconsider some of the plans or at least the sweeping nature of it you
4: know this i mean <laughs> if this were to come up around election time uh you know i i would like to see who would who would back this type of thing i don't think anybody would oh buddy no 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 definitely not so um man okay so we've been talking about this for the you know this this idea that the EU is going to limit speeds but it's really not going to happen it's just someone's idea nothing's really happened on it. no concrete action has been taken
0: right yeah and it got uh it got smacked down in the court of public opinion but everything
4: else that we've been talking about speed limiters and you know the, the ideas that we're talking about because you know we we mentioned early on you know if 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 the speed limit's 55, why do they make cars that go 155? Great question. Um, so, you know, the, there's all these questions out there that people have about speeds and why they're limited and, you know, hopefully we got some of that message out there that, you know, it's, it's, you know, protect the engine, it's the tires, it's mm-hmm. safety, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I guess for the the good of, uh, everybody on the road really, you know, that you yeah. can't drive 200 miles per hour in your Honda Civic. Um, but you know, it seems like there's a there's a lot of reasons to limit the speeds on vehicles that are good reasons, you know, the, the mechanical reasons, and of course safety. But sure. um, the idea of, of another another entity somewhere out there saying you're not going to use this the way that you want to, you're going to use it the way we want to, mm-hmm. and only within these limits that that to a lot of people is is scary. And I agree. I mean, I think that uh, you know. If, well, if this is real, if this, if this ever crops up as something that's really going to happen, this ISA thing, I think they're not going to have many people backing them.
0: Now, I wouldn't be surprised, if we want to go hypothetical here, Scott, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of thing happened in an autonomous car network. That that seems like it's part and parcel.
4: Uh, it seems like it would have to happen in that yeah. case, right? I mean, because the driver has no control over it. It's just yeah. uh, whatever is set for you. So, so uh,
0: maybe if, maybe this is part of the evolution, that, toward that Orwellian
4: <laughs> interstate. So this is a, uh, this is a creeping way to get that, uh, to get that to happen.
0: Yeah. Hey, man. It's part of a chess game, possibly. <laughs> I know I sound conspiratorial. Well,
4: okay. For you, what do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think that this is ever going to happen in any, any kind of, uh, little bit of this? Or do you think, like what you just said, that this is maybe one little baby step towards autonomous cars?
0: I think that it would, I, I think that it would have to happen, with autonomous cars. I, I think that that's the only way it really could happen because if you just look at the cost of implementation to get every single driver, you know, anywhere, not even in a country like, uh, the UK, not even in a place like the United States, even very, even a much smaller country, the cost per driver would be enormous. Someone would have to pay for it. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, if I was, uh, the guy who owned a company that makes car mounted cameras that can read traffic signs, I would be all about this because I would be able to send my kids to Harvard for like of, generations. Of course. Yeah. You're, uh, you,
4: several generations would never have to work beyond you, right?
0: Right. And uh, but that's,
4: that's the only now, way I see it. Now for me. Yeah. Obviously, not a huge fan of autonomous cars or anything like that. I hope that this never ever comes to light. I hope that uh, that, that this stays exactly where it is. Someone's someone's dark idea. Um, you know, <laughs> I know that's I a bad that you, way to put it. Yeah, but. you make it sound like dark arts. Well, yeah, I know. But you know, at, to me, it comes down to driver responsibility. And mm-hmm. if if you're a grown-up behind the wheel, as everybody should be at that point when they're driving, that's a good point. Uh, you know, if you're going to speed, and I'm not advocating it, but pick the right place, pick the right time.
0: Be a grown-up. And speaking of something completely different, you want to end with a little listener mail? I would like to do that. Now, you have already been having a conversation with this guy, but I thought it would be neat to uh, read this for the listeners. Hmm. Ben, not me, a different Ben, writes in to say, Hi, Scott and Ben, just listened to your podcast on Tesla. found it very interesting. I have a question about electric cars. Why don't the designers of electric cars use an alternator to keep the battery charged, or maybe switch off and use the alternator to charge a second battery, and then switch when the first battery runs out of power? Anyway, love the podcast. Keep up the good work.
4: Okay, so what he's talking about there is really perpetual motion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to have an alternator on a uh, on a... On an all-electric car, what you would, what he's talking about is using the battery to, to go through the alternator to charge the battery back again, and, and it just is this continual cycle. Well, the problem is that the, the extra energy that you're using to power the alternator is more than you would ever get back out of it on the other end. So, so it's
0: draining the system.
4: Yeah, and, and really in an electric car, if you think about it, the idea is that, you know, the electric car, it's, it's driving, it, the battery power is being used for the motor, the accessories, Uh, it's being used for forward motion it's being used to power all of the gauges inside Mm -hmm. any kind of interior lighting that you have if you're charging your uh, ipod or whatever um, all of that stuff is being powered from that one battery if you add an alternator to the system that's just another additional drain on the battery and then whatever you get from the alternator to put back into the battery it's going to be less it's going to be less and it just doesn't work out that way i mean, and. I know that people have thought of this in the past, and I'm sure that it's been tested out, you know, to see if this really works. But it just doesn't—it just doesn't work that way. And I mentioned, I think, that the closest thing that I can think of to what Ben was talking about was something like regenerative braking, right? In that—that's somewhere where energy was going to be wasted anyways uh, via braking, and that energy is placed back into the battery, and that—that's—that's that's helpful in a way. But it's not running all the time. It's not like you know you can. Um, you know, remember the old generators on, on bikes that you could flip over? And maybe you don't, Ben. You're kind of looking at me like I'm
0: No, crazy. no. I, th- I'm just, I, I think that there are some guys who live in my neighborhood who okay. have
4: Well, the, the kind that you would flip over, and it would kind of like a mechanical thing. It would roll on the bike tire in order to generate the, uh, the power for the light yeah. that you would use. So you'd only use it at night, but it would, it would generate enough power to run the, the light. You wouldn't have to have a battery in there. Um, that's a similar idea to regenerative braking. S- similar. I mean, right. in, in a way, it's a, it's a stretch, maybe, but but that same idea—it's it's energy that you're already um, that already would be wasted in the vehicle,
0: right? And it's not—it's not as if regenerative braking is creating new power; it's just saving some of the expended power. It's
4: just a way to recoup a little bit of it, and and the whole alternator thing. I mean, I understand Ben's thought process behind this—that you know, why not do that? It seems like that's what it does for our regular small car batteries. Mm. Why isn't it the same? The reason is our, our regulars, you know, the small 12-volt batteries we have now, it's not running the car all the time. It's not in charge of running everything all at once. It's really right. just for starting, and that's it, and then and then it's replenished in order to start the car again.
0: Right, because we have the other power source,
4: the gasoline. Exactly, and the uh, and the alternator, which is keeping mm-hmm. things going. So
0: And so, well, I wanted to uh, put that out there for our listeners because I thought – I thought that is a great question. I'm glad you explained it on I, there. I
4: hope I was clear about that. I know it, it. It sounds clear to me when I'm thinking it, but I don't know if I I've answered that as concisely as I should. But I but that. it's it's something like that.
0: It's some. That's the gist of it. Yeah. Well, everybody, we hope that you have enjoyed our podcast here on what speed limiters are, what they might be in the future, and how they work. Uh, congratulations to everybody in the European Union who is terrified of having your car hobbled at 70 miles per hour. Looks like it was a false alarm. Uh, but in the meanwhile, Scott and I are going to head out here, and we're continuing our never-ending search for new topics. If you have any ideas, drop us a line on Facebook. Uh, give us a shout or a tweet, if you will, on Twitter. Oh, and visit our new website.
4: Yeah, brand new website. There's lots of new information there. You can catch the podcast there, blogs, some videos that we've produced. Uh, just about everything. You can read about us if you want to. I don't know why you'd want to do that.
0: Which but... is weird because, you know, our, uh, we, we, had, just so everybody knows, uh, Scott, you and I wrote our bios separately. They're pretty pizza heavy. Yeah,
4: pretty close. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> should, we should consider doing a, uh, Car Stuff pizza show soon.
0: I would, I would love that. Um, if you have any ideas about cars or, you know what, pizza, go ahead and drop us a line. And that is carstuff at discovery.com
1: It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics,